Okay, so this goes into the category of uh, you know you're having a bad day when. So uh, yesterday, um, Lisa and I uh, took both of our dogs uh, to PetSmart, uh, one to be groomed, one uh, to get some shots. And uh, so we get to evening, it's taken all day, and we go to pick up uh, Thor and Zeus, uh, our massive Yorkie and uh, huge Chihuahua, and uh, <laughs> Thor and Zeus. And as we're driving away from PetSmart, um, and we're heading to get something for dinner, Lisa says to me, Lynn, I, I think the dogs need to use the restroom. And I go, no, 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 no. They, they, uh, they, surely they uh, use, you know, the cages or whatever while they were there. They've been there all day. They're, they'll be fine just until uh, we get home. So now we pull into the uh, driveway at Wendy's, and the dogs are just like hopping everywhere. And Lisa goes, Lynn, I, I think we got a problem. Goes, no, no, we're, we're okay. And uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of ordering uh, the order, and uh, Thor uh, begins to stand up looking over the window out the, on my car. And uh, suddenly, in the midst of my order, I hear a sound. <laughs> Sounds an awful lot like a urinal. And uh, in, in my, uh, my uh, armrest, uh, there's, there's a little uh, cup-looking thing, uh, you know, for closing the door, and it's uh, filling up. And uh, so I pick, up, I pick up Thor, and now I'm holding him out the window in the drive-in at Wendy's, and I'm thinking to myself, I hope they don't have cameras you know, watching the car. Uh, uh, we, we place our order, and, and now I'm driving through Wendy's, and I'm thinking to myself, it's okay, because, you know, the little plastic cup is there, and, it, you know, it'll, it'll stay there till I get home, and I can, uh, you know, empty it out, and I just got to be sure when I open the door, I don't use that. And uh, I drive on home, I get home, I go get some stuff to uh, clean out the little cup in my uh, armrest. I get there and realize there's a hole in the bottom. So now the urine has gone all down into my door. I open the door to see if any has come out the other side. None. <laughs> so all that to say, uh, if you see me driving down the road with my windows open for the next few months, you know why. Hey, uh, we're finishing up a series uh, that we've called Christian Atheist. And here's been kind of the conversation that you and I have been having together. We've said, look, uh, is it possible, is it possible to believe in Jesus Christ? In other words, you're a Christian, you've, you've put your faith in Him, but, but in the most crucial moments of your walk with God, in, in the most uh, important times of your life, uh, you panic, you, you behave as if you don't really have a relationship with God. You behave like people who don't know God would behave if they were going through those circumstances, if their marriage was struggling, if their finances were upside down. And, and, and in those moments, you behave like an atheist. So today, I wanted to maybe just do a play on words. I thought, well, what if we turn this other way around? Is it possible to be an atheist Christian? And in other words, is it possible uh, to believe in God, but actually believe in something that is so far away from who God is, that, that is so different from what uh, the Bible uh, tells us about God, to put our faith maybe in a system of belief or, or religiousness, and, and, and in, in doing so, even though we trust it, in essence, because it's so different than, than the God that is revealed in Scripture, that, that we might as well be an atheist, because we're not actually trusting, we're not actually believing God in our beliefs. But, okay, in the midst of that, is it possible to behave so well, to behave already so religiously 
that other people looking at my behavior would think that I was a Christian. So, is it possible to have such a distorted view of God and a misunderstanding of who God is that even though I believe that, I might as well be an atheist because I'm completely missing God? I haven't really put my faith in Him, but yet be so religious in my life, so good in my behavior, such a great person that other people looking at me would say, well, surely they're a Christian. Surely, I mean, I mean if, if they're not a Christian, then who would be a Christian? Is it possible to be an atheist Christian? So we're going to take a look at a passage today where Jesus actually has a conversation with an atheist Christian, and I think you'll be surprised at how that conversation goes. So grab your Bibles uh, this morning and go with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and work to the left, you're going to find this book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This is Jesus during His ministry, and, and a man actually comes to Him with some questions some religious questions, and in the midst of answering those questions, he discovers something about himself he never thought. And Jesus says, look, your faith is so misplaced that for all intents and purposes, you've not actually really believed in God. You're as as far away as someone who doesn't believe that God exists. But the incredible part is you're one of the most religious guys I've ever met. And probably none of your friends and none of your family and maybe even you yourself didn't know that you've been fooling yourself. He's an atheist Christian. Here it is. The conversation happens in uh, John chapter 3, starting uh, in verse 1. Here's what it says. Now, there was a Pharisee. Now, guys, Pharisees, Pharisees in the Bible, we give, we give them hard rap. You, you realize that Pharisees were actually the most adamant followers of God. They, they were absolutely devoted to being religious and to doing the right things. Jesus rebukes them because all of their religiousness is about looking good and not about the inside being different. But these guys are good guys. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. This guy isn't an average Pharisee. This guy is like the Jewish, I mean, he's, he is the elite of the elite. Uh, he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, which simply means teacher, uh, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one, catch that word, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely you cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born again. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at what I'm saying to you. You must be born again. And then Jesus goes on to give an example. He says, look, the wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, catch the moment. Here's Nicodemus, and I'm t- this, this guy is absolutely religious. I mean, on the scale of good, this guy is super good. Matter of fact, uh, from the time of his youth, this guy has been in church every single Saturday. 
He's a Jew, so he goes to church on Saturday. Matter of fact, that would even be one of the brownie points. You say, look, I'm one of God's chosen people. Uh, From the time he was a child, he's honored the Sabbath. Matter of fact, so much. So, you ready for this? Here's, Here's what Nicodemus has done. He has paced the steps from his house because the religious teachers of the day have said, there's only so far you can walk before your stroll becomes a task. And if you were to take more steps than that on the Sabbath, you would be working. So, Nicodemus has walked out the allotted number of steps. He's built a mound of stones so that there's no way on the Sabbath that he will ever pass those stones and begin to work on the Sabbath. Uh, Chances are Nicodemus has memorized tons of Scripture. Matter of fact, the average Jewish boy, by the time they're 13, you ready for this, had memorized the first five books of the Bible, word perfect. Word perfect. Hey, this this guy ties. Matter of fact, uh, when he gets to harvest time, he takes the seeds that he's harvested at harvest time, and he hand counts them. One seed for me, two seeds for me, three seeds for me, four seeds for me, five seeds for me, six seeds for me, seven seeds for me, eight seeds for me, nine seeds for me, one seed for God. One seed for me, two seed for me, all the way through his entire… So, that he, we're ready for this? So that he wouldn't mistakenly shortchange God a single seed. Matter of fact, if you want want to go on the scale of good, okay, on the scale of religiousness, here's Mother Teresa, here's Nicodemus, here's you, okay? Mother Teresa, Nicodemus, you. I mean, this guy, this guy has good down in his life. And in the midst of this, Something is bothering Nicodemus. Something in the midst of of going to church every single time the doors open, of memorizing Scripture, of praying all the time, of tithing and keeping, something in the midst of this is missing in his heart. And so he goes to Jesus by night. He says, look, I don't don't understand this. I I don't get this. But maybe he could tell me. Maybe he could tell me. Ready? Something good to add to my good. Maybe he could make me gooder. You know, maybe, maybe he could, maybe there's just, you know, maybe, maybe there's a secret handshake or something, you know, that I'm missing in the midst of this. And so he goes to Jesus, and he says, look, Jesus, you know, we know that you're from God. I mean, no one, no one could do what you've been doing. I, I know I haven't been to any of your prayer meetings, but I've been watching, and, you know, I saw the whole thing with the temple, and, well, that was kind of interesting, and, uh, you know, the water and the wine, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you potentially have a business there, and, uh, you know, people are telling me that they're healed, and, and as best I can tell looking at it, they're, they're healed, and so, look, I, my friends would probably be surprised that I'm here, but in mid-sentence, Jesus interrupts them. Isn't it interesting that Jesus already knows what you're going to ask before you ask it? And here's what he says to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he'll never see heaven. Now, guys, don't don't let that comment by Jesus go by. Because just realize what he's doing in this moment. He is saying to a man who is gooder than your good, 
who is better than you are bet. Yeah, he is better. He is saying to him, look, you're not good enough. You're not headed to heaven, Nicodemus. And guys, here's the deal. If Nicodemus isn't making it, then you and I aren't making it. Because here's Mother Teresa, here's Nicodemus, here's you and me. And again, he just stops and says, how, is, how, how in the world would a, would a man be born again, Jesus? I mean, is he going to… I mean, I, I, I get that this is probably allegorical. I mean, I mean, you're not really asking me to, like, crawl up in my mother's womb again and be born again. Are you? What, what are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus says this, look, there's there's a physical birth that happens, and Jesus calls this being born of water, because what happens just before a child's born, his mother's water breaks. He says, look, look, there's this physical birth that happens, but there's a spiritual birth that needs to happen. And when that happens, when, when God finally gets a hold of your heart, when God actually invades your life and begins to change you, Jesus is saying, look, you just need to know this isn't about being religious or being a good… This changes you not on the outside. This changes you on the inside. And it is so different that you are like a new person. You've been born into a new life. And I'm just telling Nicodemus, when that happens, you'll know it happened. And then he goes on to try to explain. He goes, he goes, Nicodemus, I know this is hard for you. It's kind of like the wind. See, you can't see the wind and you can't touch the wind, but I'll tell you what, when the wind is blowing, you can tell. You can see the trees bending. You can, you can see things blowing across the patio. When the wind is blowing, you know. And he says, Nicodemus, if this ever happens to you, I'm just telling you, you'll know. It's like the wind. You can't explain it, but you'll know. You know, it's interesting because very often here at Cornerstone we'll have conversations, you know, especially with people that maybe are new or we haven't met before, and one of the things we'll ask them is, hey, uh, you know, are you a believer? Are you a Christian yet? Have you made a decision for Jesus? And here's what happens so often is that people look back at us and say, you know, I thought I was. I thought I was. I mean, I, mean, I, I went to church all the time when I was a kid. I was, you know, I was baptized as a baby. And, but, but, but here's the, I mean, since I've been coming here, and since I've been seeing people, I'm just going to, they've got something that I don't think I have. I'm seeing the wind blow, and I'm not sure the wind has blown in my life yet. See, I, I've been really, really religious. I'm just not sure I've been born again. Go back and look at uh, Nicodemus' response to these words of Jesus. It's, it's verse 9. Here's what Nicodemus says. How can this be? How, how is this possible? And you realize that in this moment, in this, just these few brief words, Jesus has literally just blown his life to shreds. He has changed everything uh, for Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus was coming and was, was thinking, you know, Jesus, you're just going to tell me like to read my Bible a little bit more. 
Uh, you're going to tell me to help some little old lady across the trail or loan my camel to a leper. You know, you just something to add to my goodness to make me a better good person. And suddenly Jesus is blowing up everything that Nicodemus has ever thought about himself and ever thought about God. Here's why. Here, here's what Nicodemus has believed uh, to this moment. He's believed, hey, you know, there are people out there, and some people do really, really big bad things. I mean, when they do it, they do it well, and it's, it's huge, and it's substantial. And then, you know, there are people who do, you know, like medium bad things in their lives. And, and then uh, there are people like me who do little bad things in their life. And so he says, you know, you, you, every, everyone's got that. I mean, you'd, you'd be crazy to deny that. We've, we've all had moments that we lied. We've all had moments that we cheated. We, we've all got something. It's just, you know, some of us have more than others. And how you work on this, how you fix this is, uh, you counterbalance it. You, you do uh, good things. And, and the thought here is, is that you do more good uh, than you've done bad. And Somewhere along the way, uh, when that happens, uh, you've, you've kind of have, you know, balanced out the scale. You've, 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 you've fixed the bad by doing enough good to counterweigh the good. And since God's a good God, then God goes, oh, well, you're a pretty good person, so you, yeah, sure, you get to go to heaven. This is, what, this is what Nicodemus has believed all his life in the midst of his religiousness. It's why he's gone uh, to church every Saturday. It's, it's why he doesn't walk too far from his house. It's why he, if he could get enough good on, then it would fix all the bad. The problem is he suddenly realizes this isn't working for me. Now, let me ask you a question. Who came up with this system anyways? I mean, I mean it's not in the Bible. I mean, who, who came up with this? And then, and then one of my questions is, um, how, how much does a bad thing weigh? I mean, I mean, when you do a bad thing, how many, how many bad points do you get for it? And, and then when you do a good thing, how many good points do you get for good? I mean, because here's the thing. I mean, what, what if every bad thing was like five points and every good thing was just one? I mean, you have a lot of gooding to do. Who gets to decide how many points it gets? I've, I've got a friend that believes that if you lie, I mean, that's just like the worst sin ever. I mean, if you lie to my friend, Brent, he, he, he's done. He will not be your friend anymore. He, just it, relationship over. I mean, because in his heart, lying is huge. There are some of us that wake up lying. So how many points do you get for lying? And, and then what about adultery? Because, I mean, you know, within our culture today, it just, it's like adultery. I mean, you, you can't turn on TV. And, and, and we're celebrating, oh, yeah, I slept at 13 yeah, but, you know, she'll forgive me. It's okay. I mean, adultery is, is like, kind of like brushing your teeth. I mean, so it's a little thing now. And yet, you ready for this? The Bible says it's a big thing. It's a huge thing. So all I'm asking is, who gets, who gets to decide the points? And then, where's the score being kept? Because here's, here's what I'd want to know. What if, what if, what if I've got a lot of extra bonus points? I mean, what if I'm so far ahead that I can kind of cruise in? What, what if I could, like, take a sin vacation, you know? I, I could head to Las Vegas, do anything I wanted to do, because I got so many extra points. Burn a few, baby! 
Or, 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 let's go their way. What if, what if I'm one point shy? I mean, I'm 89 years old. I'm laying on my deathbed. I'm one point shy. Wouldn't you want to know that? I mean, I'd be getting out of my hospital bed helping some little old lady on the hall. I'd be doing something to get one more point. Who came up with this? Where are the rules? Because this... And guys, if you would stop and even think about it for a second, you'd realize this, this, this is totally flawed. And here's what Jesus is saying in the moment. You ready for this? Being gooder than you are bad has never worked. You can't, you can't do enough good to outweigh your bad. It, it never fixes. You can't fix bad by doing good. That's why in this moment, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how, how can this be? This is what I've believed all my life. This is what I've trusted all my life. This is why I've been so religious. This is why I've done so many good things. I was hoping to good my way into heaven. How can this be? His entire belief system is wrecked in a moment. Let me ask you a question. What did the words of Jesus do to your belief system? Did, did, did you walk in here today saying, look, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm doing my church thing because, you know, you get some points for going to church, and I'll, I'll go ahead and pray when they pray because I think you get some bonus ones when you do that. And, 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 and you've been on this journey of saying, look, I, you know, of course I believe in God. Of course I trust in God. And, and so what I'm doing is I'm on the God brownie point system, and I'm just, I'm just trying to you know, be better than I am bad in hopes that good fixes bad. And if this, and, and, if, and if what Jesus just said blew up your religious world, then you're going to be interested in what he says next to Nicodemus. Let's go back to the passage. It's verse 14. Jesus says this, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And you're going, what? Okay. The story of Moses lifting up a snake in the wilderness is a story that Nicodemus would have known. He would have heard it from the time he was a child. Here's why. Because as the children of Israel are leaving the promised land, as they're waiting to get in, there comes this moment when they're all getting bit by snakes. And in the midst of that, God says to them, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take the image of a snake, wrap it around a pole. You're going to hold it up. Every time someone looks at that snake on the pole, they'll be healed from the snake bite. Weird story. Weird story. Okay? But Nicodemus knows the story. Here's what Jesus says. Ready for this? Remember that really weird story? You're wondering why God put it in the Bible why was it there? Why did God say, hey, everybody who's sick and bitten by the snake, you look, you look up and look at the at snake and, and you're going to get healed. He says, because you ready for this? Because the Son of Man, it's Jesus talking about himself, is going to be lifted up. And everybody who looks at him is going to get healed. 
you know what he was talking about, right? He was talking about a cross. And he was saying in the game, he was, look, here's the deal. You've got to stop looking to trusting in your religiousness, your goodness, whether or not you were baptized as an infant. You've got to stop trusting that and start trusting a Savior. See, you've you've been believing, Nick, in the wrong thing. And as long as you keep putting your faith over here instead of putting your faith in God, as long as you keep trusting yourself to be your Savior and not trusting Jesus to be your Savior, Nick, you might as well be an atheist. Because the truth is, atheists trust themselves to be their own saviors, not Christ followers. Christ followers trust Jesus to be their Savior. Matter of fact, Jesus is about to tell Nicodemus, look, 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 where you put your belief, where you decide to trust is a big deal. Go back to the passage. It's verse 15. And we're about to get into part of a passage that probably almost every one of you have heard at some point in your life. is John chapter 3, verse 15. Here's uh, what it says. That everyone, John chapter 3, verse 15, that everyone who, next word, believes may have eternal life, where? In Him. Not in myself, in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Guys, don't miss this moment. Don't miss what Jesus has just taught to an atheist Christian. He's saying, Nick, 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 you are totally missing it because here's here's what you're doing uh, in the moment. You're putting your trust in you to be able to fix you. See, you're trusting how many good things you can do to somehow fix the bad things that you've done. And at the end of the day, Nick, you are your own Savior. Your faith isn't in God. Your faith is in yourself. And in that moment, think about this, guys. In that moment, tell me how you're different than an atheist. If you haven't put your faith in God, but instead your faith resides in your own capacity to fix your own sin. Guys, if this works, if, if being gooder fixes bad, then explain to me something. Why is Jesus dying on a cross? I mean, I mean if, if, if you and I being good and being religious had the capacity to buy heaven for us, then why in the world is Jesus dying to fix us? Why isn't he just giving you and I an extended rule book? with the points in the margin. And, and Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, for all intents and purposes, you've been an atheist because you've believed in yourself and your own capacity to be good enough for God more than you've believed in a Savior. 
1859, there's a French tightrope walker. And he's, he's trying to build up publicity for kind of a traveling circus thing that he's associated with. And he comes up with the bright idea of stretching a tightrope across Niagara Falls and walking the 1,100 feet across Niagara Falls. He becomes the first man in history to ever 25,000 people gathered to watch Charles Blundin walk across Niagara Falls. He would subsequently go back and do it on multiple occasions. One time he went out and he actually sat down in the middle and cooked himself breakfast and ate it. Uh, one time he walked across on stilts. But on one day, he walks across Niagara Falls pushing a wheelbarrow full of cement. He gets to the other side where the crowd is cheering madly. And he says to the crowd, hey, uh, do you think I could actually do a return trip? To which the crowd, thinking, hey, that's twice the chance he'll fall, says, yeah, yeah, you could do it. You could do it. To which he promptly dumps the concrete out of the wheelbarrow, holds it out and says, then one of you get in. See, it's, it's one thing to stand on the sidelines and say, hey, I believe in God. It's a totally different thing to get in. And Jesus in this moment is simply asking Nicodemus this question, Nicodemus, are you going to keep trusting yourself to be your Savior, or are you going to trust me? to be your Savior. See, Nicodemus, when you get to heaven someday and, and when St. Peter is standing there and says, hey, what, you know, why do you get in? The wrong answer is because I went to church all my life and because I tithed and because I was baptized as a baby and I memorized a bunch of Scripture. The one right answer, Jesus says, is that you believed in the Son of God to save you. Because here's, here's the answer. You, you ready, Nicodemus? Good people, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. So here's what I'm asking. Is it possible today that you are an atheist Christian? That, that, that actually in your life and in your heart, you've been trying to just be good enough to pass the test, to be good enough to somehow get into heaven. And the reality is you've been standing on the bank and you've been cheering Jesus on and you've been probably been praying and doing all that stuff. And today Jesus says, okay, do, do you really believe, do you really believe that I'm the Savior that fixes that? Get in the wheelbarrow. And I'm just going to tell you that if you're sitting here today and, and you're even wondering at this moment, you're going, I, I don't know, I don't know, maybe, maybe I am a religious person who's never quite trusted in a Savior more than I've trusted. Why would you hesitate? Why, why would you not? And so here's what I want to offer us an opportunity to do. I want to offer an opportunity for a group of people who maybe have saying, boy, I've been trying so hard to be good enough for God to get in a wheelbarrow with God, 
to put their trust in a Savior who forgives sin instead of their own capacity to fix their sin. And the cool part is, guys, it's as simple as a prayer. It's as simply as taking your belief and moving it to the right place. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm just going to ask us to bow our heads right now. And, and if you're somebody who goes, man, I, I, I don't know, I, I feel a little bit like a Nicodemus. I mean, I've been coming to church, and I've been doing this re- religious thing, but I, I would probably have to say I, I, I think maybe something's missing still. If, if I were honest, I, I've, I've been trusting in being good enough for God to be the reason that God would let me into heaven. And I, I don't know that I have ever truly let go of that and put my faith in a Savior to get me to heaven. Because good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And if you find yourself in that place, I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer. I'll pray it. for you, and then you can quietly just pray it right there uh, in your seats. But that prayer would go something like this. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, the conversation that you had with Nicodemus, you might as well have had it with me. I've, I've been trying so hard to have more good stuff than bad stuff in my life. I, I, was, I was hoping that somehow this would balance out my life and that one day when I stood in front of you, you'd say, well, well, you're a good person. Come on in. And for the first time, I'm realizing that good things don't fix bad things. There's not enough good that I could do to be good enough for you. If Nick doesn't make it, then I surely don't make it. So I'm going to change my faith. I'm going to take what I've been believing all my life, and I'm going to believe in something different. I'm going to believe in a Savior who forgives sin, who fixes sin on a cross. I'm going to believe in that God. So I'm asking you right now, would you come into my life? Would, Would you blow that wind through my heart? Would you change me? Would you be my Savior? And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer just now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In the seat backs right in front of you, uh, there are cards that say, uh, Yes to God. And uh, the band's going to lead us in worship here for a moment. I'm going to ask everybody to stay. Okay? This is not get up and run for the parking lot. This is stay and watch what God is doing Sunday. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask those that prayed that prayer just now, would you fill out the card on the back? We want to know you made a decision. We want to be able to pray with you. We want to be able to help you with what comes next uh, in your life. And when the service gets over, if you look, there's uh, tables uh, at either all the doors here. And would you just simply take that card? It's all you got to do. Place that card on the table. If you did that, that'd be a statement, wouldn't it? That, 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 that almost feel like moving from here to here. So I'm just going to ask you, don't let this moment go by. 
fill out the card, drop it off, just take a stand, say, look, I'm, I'm done being good enough. I'm going to be saved enough. Fill those cards out while these guys lead us in worship.